All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. We have a special guest here today, Keezy from Black Market. And uh, don't need much of an intro besides that. So I like your setup you got over there. It's uh, You're kind of putting me to shame. It looks like you're the host or something. Thank you, bro. <laughs> what, how long have you... When did you set that up? You were telling me a little bit off air. Uh, it's It's been a work in progress. We built this maybe like six seven months ago but Mm -hmm. since that point we've kind of continued getting new audio and lighting equipment and adding to it a little bit yeah i watched that video that you did about like that little rim light it's a pretty cool um i never really thought of doing something like that just because i have a lot less uh, confined space so it'd be like real weird hanging something but it does add a nice little touch having that that blue right there Mm-hmm. Just off your off your shiny head, just bouncing you've right off. You've kind of got that going on now. I guess you've I just like, you've got like the chill LA like <laughs> authentic kind of skater setup going on, man. Yeah, what well, I I got these um I just got these old ass bulbs. They're like those ones that when you turn them off, you still kind of see the glow. It's like those Edison mm-hmm. ones, but the only right. downside is they're fucking hot. Like it's it's like adds heat in here. It's not like an oh, LED yeah. or whatever. Dude, it's a nightmare in here. I bet. This room is hot as fuck. I see you recording with like cut off shirts and shit with your yeah. fast food because it's probably hot I, as I, fuck I in there. like wear that kind of shit, so. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of stuff were you doing before you got into just like black market and everything in general? Were you just working and freelancing and things? Uh, Yeah, so I've had a few jobs um doing various things related to either design or development or marketing Mm -hmm. and it kind of transitioned in the black market after my last job yeah because you also have like a kind of a um programming background right yeah and was the was that just from school and things and you kind of started with that and then branched into more design or was it more vice versa? Um, that's a good question, man. I didn't go to school, so mm. not from school. Um, I think there's like this joke that everybody says about like they got started coding with MySpace. Yeah, or Tumblr. I never used Tumblr, but with <laughs> yeah. MySpace, that's that's really how I got started coding and doing design. Um, I had been watching like this dude on YouTube named Graham Fisher. Okay. He made like these Photoshop tutorials and he's like playing this, uh, Bay area, like rap music, like E40 and shit. And he's smoking blunts in the videos. Yeah. As a 12 year old, 13 year old that was getting into graphic design and like related to that kind of music and stuff for whatever fucking reason. Mm Mm-hmm. I, you know, I watched his videos and stuff and that's really how I started getting into design and, um, development too. When you were learning that stuff, like through YouTube, through that guy smoking blunts and all that, was that like the main source of, of knowledge you're getting to learn like Photoshop and different programs like that? Yeah. Um, for a while. And this is like, this is a while ago. And at the time maybe 2007 or 2008 or something, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a ton of YouTube content 
like nowadays when you go on YouTube, like you don't have to find somebody that's like listening to rap or like smoking blunts to find somebody that's reasonably relatable to you. Yeah. But at the time, that's how it was. It was like stuffy videos and like more professional, like setting type mm-hmm. content, like Adobe certified, you know, shit like that. Yeah. And self-taught designer thing was more of like a, a hobby that you could do. You mm-hmm. could make like forum signatures and MySpace and stuff, but I don't think it was nearly as serious. Um, like, in fact, I remember back then there, there was like a very low prospect of actually becoming a successful designer self-taught back then as in what's back then happen. like 2008, 2009, Okay. So that's how long ago, how old were you then when you were doing that stuff? Um, in 2007, I would have been 12. Okay. So you were already looking into design and then you were, you, you, from what you're saying is like, you kind of discovered like, damn, this might not actually be a possible career basically. Well, not necessarily because at the time, um, I was like 12 or 13, dude. So I didn't hear if it was yeah. going to pick up my career, I was just doing it because, uh, I wanted to do it. So actually the way that it kind of all started was, um, I, uh, I was helping a friend out with like a logo for his band or something and a MySpace layout for his band. Mm-hmm. And I had not used Photoshop before, but I had been using flash. there be flash because originally I actually was trying to get into like making flash games. Oh, okay. And then so I got into the Adobe suite via Adobe flash and then he needed that logo. So I got fireworks, Adobe fireworks, which they don't even make anymore or flash actually. Yeah. And, uh, then eventually, um, I started like seeing all these videos on Photoshop and stuff. I was like, okay, maybe I need to check this out too. And it's funny because at the time, and I'm so young at the time, man. And I was already thinking like, wow, we're already on fucking Photoshop CS2. I'm way late. Yeah, that's like, wild. Late. I was like, there's already like, everybody already knows this stuff and I'm just now getting into it. In hindsight, obviously, that's not the case and never is. But yeah, it's just funny looking back like that's that. That's hilarious because when I was in high school, I was on CS6 and that's like what I started on. And I feel like CS6 was like a, a major like one for people I know that everyone kind of ran for a while until they did the Creative Cloud yeah. stuff. And it's it just, got dark it's, yeah, yeah. And it's funny hearing you like thinking those ones were, were dated and you're like, fuck, man, like everyone already knows everything. I'm way too behind. Well, actually, how this happened was, um, so I had got CS2, and then I was watching this video, and it was like, how to fucking recolor this photo of a parking lot to make it look like the light's like a rainbow. It was Mm -hmm. like a great app tutorial. Okay. And it was CS3, and I was like, oh my God, I just got CS2. What the hell's going on here? It looked different? Huh? Did it look a lot different? Like the interface or something? No. They... They barely did anything with the interface. Actually, they made small changes, but they didn't introduce dark mode until CS6, which I would say was the biggest departure from yeah. the classic design. Yeah, that that's like I I see I've seen some pictures because like I wasn't using the programs in those times and like the uh 
original Photoshop, like images, like screenshots, it looks very um, like Windows 97 style. Like everything's a lot more modular and square. And it, it seems like now, like they've softened everything up for even from the mm-hmm. icons to the interface to just everything, like even the, like the little typeface um, acronyms or whatever. The, the what? Like the PS and the AI, like all that's even softer, you know? Like they kind of changed everything. If you look at, uh, I don't, I don't really use Mac that much, but I was anymore, but I was working on my, uh, friends new, like the M one and everything looks like an app icon now. Like they don't even use like circular shapes anymore for like the, um, task bar. Everything looks like an iPhone app mm-hmm. has that rounded rectangle. It's interesting. Yeah. Do you, um, do you still do any freelance work or work for clients or, and if you don't, do you do it like through black market? Uh, say again, if I don't like, do, do you do- still do any freelance work besides, uh, the asset stuff? And if you like, is it yeah. on your own or is it through black market? Um, I do very rarely. I just, it depends on the, the only, the only way I'll take a job is if it's, um, like a career moving piece. Like I don't want to do a project I've done before. Okay. Um, so- I'm not taking like pretty much any projects that I've done something similar in the past. Just, I don't have to, so I'm lucky to have that privilege, but, um, I, I like taking occasional client stuff. If it's something new that would be, uh, challenging or like beneficial to me in other ways other Mm -hmm. than just like having some work to do. Yeah. And if I do that, then I do do it through black market. That's cool. And that's good that you have that, you know, not passive, but like security income wise just through black market. So you have the, you know, like luxury of being like, I only want to work on cool shit. I don't want to be like following around like bad projects and like dealing with all these inquiries. Like you basically can live off of the business you build. It seems like. Yeah, totally. And, um, and man, I'm just like too ADHD to keep up with client stuff. And I don't like to be responsible for things that I might fuck off. And so I just, at this point in my life, like I, I know the kind of person that I am in that way. Like mm-hmm. I'm not super, um, attentive to people's constant ongoing requests. You know what I yeah. mean? And so I don't want to, but I don't want to be that way. And so I'm not like taking the project and then saying, fuck you. Like I do what I want. It's mm-hmm. just like, I know I might put them in that position and so, and I don't want to. So I have to be very selective about projects that I know I'm going to be really interested in and will do basically. Yeah. What, what was because that? Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, go ahead. I forget my train of thought. My bad. Um, didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to ask you, what was that thing you're working on? Like that book NFT thing? Oh yeah. So, um, which one? It was like the one with, it was like a photo book. I think it had really big type and it was like the type that was super tall and yeah, compressed. Gina and, uh, G monk. Yeah. So that was, um, basically like a portfolio and I didn't design that. Uh, this guy, Michael China designed that for this photographer G monk, and I just did the 3d biz on it. So 
I basically took their comps and made mock-ups. Somebody told them that I make uh, good mock-ups and they hit me up for that. And that's how that worked out. That's cool. So yeah, you pretty much just did like the renders basically. Yeah, we did the 3D and the renders. When you do a uh, project like that, that isn't, you know, for the store, you said you would take it through black market. So does that mean that you're still handling it all? Or are you uh, passing some of the duties off to like the rest of the team that would be working on, you know, the normal asset stuff? Yeah, um, it depends. This project I did, I did most of it. But I, I, I need to say that carefully because I have a, another designer here, Julie, who um, originally when we got this project, we weren't sure if we were going to do it in 3D. So mm -hmm. we actually physically built and recreated the book that they're going to be making. But it was before the production run had finished, so they didn't have physical copies that they could photograph. And oh, okay. the, the release date was going to be before they got all that stuff. So our initial plan was to build it out physically and then photograph the physical recreation of what it would look like. And we did that and she did an excellent job on that. Uh, but for a few reasons, it didn't end up working out the way that we had expected. Like there were just some challenges that would have been too difficult to recreate without, you know, making them in bulk and yeah. going through the normal production flow. Sorry about that. All good. So, um, so I ended up doing it in 3D and um, I do the 3D here. So from that point on, I had had to take it over. Okay, cool. So you, so uh, you, that means you do a little 3D work as well. Do you usually use, I haven't gotten into it yet. I've been, I mean, it seems like I feel the well, way you're feeling about the CS2 thing. Like, is it too late to, no, to do it's 3D? Not. It's not too late to do 3D. Uh, it's, it's never too late to do anything. Right. It's definitely not too late to do 3D. It's just going to keep getting easier and easier because um, for a few reasons. One, it's socially cool to do 3D now. Yeah. Five, six years ago when you're like, oh, I, I do 3D. It's very rare, right. at least here in Idaho. Nobody was doing that. And it was like you do that for games or something only. Yeah. Like that. That was the expectation is that you're going to be making a game or something with 3D. And now it's like taking over graphic design in a lot of ways. Like I want to become a visual creator on Instagram or something. You get to pick a path now. Mm -hmm. It's not just, well, you could always pick a path. You could do drawing or something too, but it's usually going to be like design or illustration, some branch of design. Now it's like I could also do 3D and yeah. we're seeing a lot of designers that were originally very design heavy now basically only doing 3d yeah it's, it's going to continue that way i see like some designers that i follow and they have really good i think i guess what you'd call like traditional design work in terms of like their compositions and their typography skills and maybe they do logo design whatever and you look and you see the transition of like hey i'm getting into 3d and then it's like Hey, I don't do anything but 3D. Like you look at the rest of their page and 3D took over their entire life, it seems like. So I'm kind of Absolutely. I I don't think that would happen to me cuz I have like a I have a love for like just 2D and and type and like kind of keeping in in a certain sense like traditional stuff, but I could see like easily falling down a rabbit hole once you start learning it. Mhm. Mm Definitely. Um 
I think I think it's something that you need to know in 2021. You kind of just have to have that because everybody else does or everybody else is adding it now. So in a lot of ways, it's just like learning Illustrator, learning InDesign. Like you need a little bit of 3D. Yeah. I would say Illustrator and InDesign probably would take priority for me if I was doing that path. But I think it's important to, to learn 3D too. Yeah. And what I mean by that is as a designer, I would say that learn the Adobe suite. Right. You know what I mean? If you're a 3D artist or if you want to go into 3D, then obviously that shit doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're not going to be using InDesign on like game on a game or some kind of motion like video probably, graphic or whatever. Not so much. I was using InDesign today working on this like uh, these like film treatment design things. It's basically like a glorified like mood board or presentation. And I forgot mm-hmm. how nice some of the features in InDesign were when it comes to like filling boxes oh, with oh, images InDesign and things. Is so nice. InDesign is my favorite Adobe program. Really? Yeah. And like the way everything links and everything and like the way you can reshape containers and just fill the image to it. It's so easy. Yeah. I love InDesign, man. Yeah. What, um, when you started learning to code, obviously like you started building out your skill set, and what made you want to get into like creating the plugins? Cause I think the, the, you know, the asset store thing a lot of people, you and a lot of others have done it, but I don't think that, I think it's a lot more rare to get into like actual, you know, things that modify the program. So what made you want to do yeah. that? Um, it's, yeah, it's a good question. So I think there's a gap in the story here a little bit where it seems like I went from making MySpace layouts to like coding, <laughs> plug-in or something. Yeah. That's not how this happened. Like there's been 10 years in the middle. Right. Of like building dinky little websites to like learning WordPress and, and doing Shopify development and other things in development, building mm-hmm. other websites and like little tools and just playing with code in general. And to the point where eventually when um, the need comes up or like I can identify that maybe this would be good as a piece of software it's not like a huge reach to say, okay, maybe we could do that. It's not going to be like a too big of a task. So, um, I mean, imagine like if you had a project that required some 3d and you already know 3d, mm-hmm. it's like you could do it in 2d. It'd be just fine, but you could also just go into blender and make say a can or something. If you're doing like a, I don't know, a can design, right? Right. So if you already have the tools in your skill set, it's not it's not much different than just, you know, hopping into a different program. Uh, but to answer the question more specifically, the way that this had happened was um, I um, I wanted to, to make plugins for a while now, and I had been interested in automation and like scripting and stuff. And actually when Black Market first started, like the original idea with black market was not necessarily the asset stuff. Um, it was, but in a different way, like my plan at the time I had been doing a lot of substance designer mm-hmm. and I was really wanting to, to cr- come up with this business of like generating in mass, all of these assets programmatically. 
and never having to manually do any of that. And the idea was sort of just to like come up with a bunch of different formulas that could be like dynamically generated. So you could have like an album art formula that would like automatically place a texture on this part of the the thing. And then like mm -hmm. a color overlay here, like a sticker up here, some piece of typography here and all these different things. And then you run it through the, the script and it would generate like a hundred of them in a couple, couple minutes. Damn. And so you'd be able to get like literally hundreds of variations of templates automatically while you're sleeping just by building the script and then running it out. Yeah. And I had started by messing with that stuff when I got into it, but then it was like, um, it's too much to juggle doing design and then trying to do all the programmatic stuff. So as when the design asset piece of it started to work, I kind of forgot about the other stuff. Yeah. So let's go back to the other question though. Um, why the plugins, right? So one, everybody started making assets. Right. Everybody started making assets, man. Like literally everybody. We released this plastic pack and at the time, uh, it was like kind of a weird thing. It was like, I'm going to sell these images of plastic. And uh, I had this idea to like photograph them and it was just like in my room and I was still working at my old job. And I literally like just got all these plastic bags from like various different shit that I had in my closet and whatever and just photographed them and then yeah, uh, made them transparent. And uh, people like in my family and my friends and stuff were like, the fuck man like you're crazy <laughs> and i was like because i was like i'm gonna sell these images so people started calling me like trash trash bezos and shit like that i was like a joke because i was like selling these images of trash but then really funny thing happened where all of a sudden it's like the hottest idea in town apparently yeah. because hundreds of people started doing that and it was just really weird mm. because when i did that i was like this is kind of weird like I don't know if this is even going to work. And then the fact that it got ripped off, like probably more than any other product at all that I've ever seen, at least of ours, it's just crazy to me. And it got to be that anytime we release something that would happen like immediately, like it became a really easy thing to just be like, if you need a side hustle, just go check out whatever we just released and just recreate that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it sucks, so like, but it's true. It just is what it is. Like people with the skill set to recreate the stuff, but that don't necessarily have the initial like hustle to like get out there and like put themselves out there and doing a weird new business idea. Mm -hmm. They could just rip that off because they already see that it's working. Um, so we were always just trying to do stuff that hadn't been done and different stuff. Like we're never looking at, what is like, I don't know, X designer on creative market doing today that we can steal. Right. We don't start there. Uh, we started a completely different area. So we're always just looking for like, what have we not done before? That would be really difficult, but dope. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe is going to take some people a little bit more effort to catch up or to, to like rip off. Right. And so with plugins, it was like, okay, uh, I'm going to try to learn this. It took, it took a while really to learn that, like took a few tries. 
to really get in and do it. Um, but with InkLab, so so InkLab started off as like an action pack. It was going to yeah. be action to just recreate this halftone thing. And um, I started playing around with like a UI for it in Adobe XD. Okay. I was like, it's kind of cool if you could like pick the colors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of just like pressing play. Because what happened is the action pack, when you do an action, if you want a lot of variations, you have to have like 100 fucking actions in the pack. Yeah, that's so true. So you could have one with like small halftone dots, small halftone dots with like three colors yeah. and so on. And you end up with this huge pack. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if you could just choose the colors and like customize it the way that you would a normal app? Right. So um, after I designed it in XD, I was like, this is how it has to be. And then after that point, after I saw what it could potentially look like, I had no interest in doing it as an action anymore at that point. And I like, yeah, that aside. And then for like the next two months, the only thing I did was like, try to learn how to fucking build this thing. Like literally that's all I fucking did. Like I woke up and I worked on InkLab and then like fucking it's like five in the morning. I'm like working on InkLab and like thinking shit, I have to go to sleep so I can like, have some energy to do this again tomorrow. Yeah. It's just all I wanted to do. Um, yeah, man. I hope that answers the question. We got a little off track. I think but- it answers it enough. And I like that you added the context because uh, fault on my part for obviously you didn't just go from, you know, designing t-shirt mockups to all of a sudden knowing how to create plugins. Like you obviously had this journey um, in between yeah, no. with, with <clears throat> web design and whatnot. I, th- I think it's, I think a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know that part. Right. Because the page, the black market page was like all these assets and stuff. But the thing about the black market thing in general was like at the time I was working as a web developer. Mm-hmm. So I was able to build a website really quickly. And so I had the idea for black market. And then like two days later, I put the website up with the first product on it. Like it was that quick. And if I had not had a development background, I don't think I would have been able to pull it off that way. Yeah, maybe would have had to use some kind of like templates or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, I don't vibe with that. Yeah, I mean, that's good. It's a good skill set to be able to actually see it to fruition, like from the beginning when it comes down to the back end, the front end and all that. Do you, right. um, obviously, you spoke about Ink Lab and most people know what that is. Would you say that that was kind of like the big turning point for black market or do you think it came prior? Hmm. I mean, like how many turning points can a company have? I guess as many as you want to identify, right? Cause I feel like there's gotta be multiple, <laughs> right? In yeah. Some then take me through the first one and where ink lab comes into play there. Uh, shit. I mean, how far back do you want me to go? I guess, Let's start from you launched the you launched the website and you listed the first product. I'd say that's like a good origin. Okay. Well, um, one turning point was getting a sale. That's a big turning point. That's the first turning point of it. If I never would have got the first sale, you know, I wouldn't have continued doing it at all. Yeah. Um, the second turning point was quitting my job and doing it full time, I would say. 
It's a good feeling. But actually, man, I could get sidetracked with this. Um, <laughs> what's really interesting is that you're laughing at me, huh? No, I just think it's fine. It's the whole point. We're just talking. You could get sidetracked all you want. I like to cool. hear. I want to hear how you go through it. Cool, man. So, uh, yeah, what I, what I was going to say that I didn't realize at the time, and I, and I worry that some other people who are uh, talking about quitting their job and, and pursuing what they love full time, a lot of people talk about doing this. And it's a really nice idea, and you should pursue that. But keep in mind that it's not what you think. When you have a job and you have to go to work um, every day and like somebody else is giving you assignments and giving you the motivation, really, Mm -hmm. it's not really about the money. It's just like somebody else's energy and interest and like they them having stuff for you to do every day. Like you have a place to be that keeps you working and also keeps you learning and growing. And then when you all of a sudden go from working full time and like being challenged every day at work to like do these client projects and like interact with people in meetings that you otherwise would like maybe shy away from, but you have to for work, right? like doing something hard because your boss wants you to do it. When you quit and you go and you want to do your own thing, all of a sudden, um, anytime those little things come up like where this is kind of a bitch. Or like, I'm just not feeling like working today. You're like, I don't have to because I work for myself. And that becomes really a pattern. It did for me at least to the point where it was like, for the first three or four months after I quit my job, I got nothing done at all. Like I got maybe 10 products out while I was working at my job. And then for the next four or five months, I got like one or two. And mm. it was crazy different, man. Like just being at home and like, I'm like, what, what now? Yeah. Cause I didn't know the next steps. Like I had made enough money to feel like I could maybe do something with this as a business, but I didn't know where to take it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of work of like, uh, man, just like, how do you wake up and, and be motivated to keep, working at something where you don't know the end or like you don't know the f- the finish point there's no like chart or like assignment put on you you just have to do it and it sounds uh from an outside perspective for for somebody that has not been in that position it sounds like oh well the motivation would be that i get to do my own thing and like that's exciting enough but in my experience it's it's a lot more work than that yeah like it's a lot of like if I don't do this, I'm going to, I'm going to be back at my job. Like it's hard, man. Yeah. You have so to that create that motivation point. for yourself too, in your head, basically. Yeah. So that was a turning point for me. Like we had, I remember there was like a month where we had done like, I say we, but at the time it was really just me. Like I quit my job and then like the month after I quit my job, I made a good amount of money because there was still some hype around some of the stuff that had been released. Yeah. Like the next month I didn't release anything and I was still kind of just like riding that high of like, Oh, I quit my job and I'm doing my own thing. And then like the sales were like so fucking low. I was like, Holy shit. And then the next month it was like that too. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, so I was hard, man. Yeah, that, I mean, so I guess you talked about, you know, quitting the job and kind of having coming to terms with the difference and what it actually means and versus, you know, fantasizing about it or thinking about working as full time. You kind of went over uh, the way you started black market and get how getting your first sale was important. But just I just wanted to bring it back in to uh, clarify on how you yeah. felt about Inclap in terms sure. of its importance. Sure. So there, there's there's another turning point before Ink Lab, I would say hiring. My mm, first that employee. came first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, hiring my first employee was a huge turning point, and I want to touch on this because it's important. I think um, when you hire somebody, it's like it's a huge motivator in the fact that it it like becomes real. And like, you don't mm-hmm. want to be like so fucked off that they lose their job or like the, yeah. the finger under, it would be embarrassing for one. It would be, it would affect them negatively. Like this person had quit their other job to come do this. So it was like, Hey, now every day it's not like, eh, I could work on black market. Like I could work on my fucking dream mm-hmm. or I could just not. Now it's like, well, have an employee here that I have to find something for them to do. Right. And so it's like, what's this person going to do? And typically that would end up involving me doing something. And so by having that employee, I was able to get back into a routine after like three, four months of just being kind of stagnant and lazy of -hmm. like really committing myself back into it just basically by working on it every day. Okay. So ink lab, shoot uh i guess so i'm a huge fan of it i i've everyone talks about it now in the sense of like it uh that it's common almost like lore knowledge or whatever in the design world at least for you know gen z and millennial community like i see people reference it in different servers it is like that i see people reference it in servers and things in terms Uh of it's not like have you heard of ink lab like blah 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 if someone's asking about halftones it's it's more to the sense of oh use ink lab like what are you doing and and then someone will be like yeah man ink lab and it either is all that and then there's like a couple people that'll say something like yeah i like it but like I'm just so scared by it. Like there's so many possibilities and I'm just like, that's the best part I think. But I guess my question is, did you anticipate that it would have like that big of a reach and like just impact on, I guess at the least the Instagram design community? Uh, no, no, not really. But I knew that there was something there, Mm -hmm. um, which is why I was able to commit like, two months of just like grinding on that thing yeah i knew there was something there and it was like again at a time where things were kind of slow and um you know we're just having like the constant like what the fuck is the next step Mm -hmm. what how much can you do with graphic design assets and you know so it was important for me to to take a step in a different direction and mm-hmm. we were looking for what that step was and we didn't know it was ink lab 
And then when we started working on InkLab, uh, we started sharing like little clips on yeah. on Instagram. The that was our indicator of like this is something was the amount of hype from sharing it on Instagram stories of people yeah. like yo I fucking need this right now. It was like we would post it like just like a little like story and then we'd have like a hundred message requests. <laughs> Hell yeah, ninety nine plus. So I don't even know how many because it's oh, just I like see. yeah. And every time we posted, it was some shit like that. So I was like, okay, it's worth doing this. And um, that was definitely the biggest turning point of the company to finally answer your question. It was. Got it there. And it's because um, it took us from being like basically my side hustle where I had hired a couple of friends to like help me out with stuff to being, I think, a real, a real possibility as far as like a long-term business yep. as a software company. Yeah, that's the difference. So you're you're saying that Ink Lab kind of in in terms of like what you would title the company transitioned you from a asset store to a software company. Uh yeah. I I sometimes I give it that name, but I feel like there's like this connotation with like I don't like to like title it anything really just because I don't want to seem like douchey like hashtag entrepreneur and whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. When I see that kind of stuff on people's stuff, like, again, I just like cringe at it. So I try to not title it. But yeah, I would like to imagine it as a software company. And in the future, that's going to be basically the only thing that we're going to do, I think, mm -hmm. long term. Yeah. And uh, that brings that up to like, I remember t uh, talking with you in, uh, on Twitter and things, and you were mentioning something about you know, you think eventually in maybe the not so distant future, an asset store isn't even like a thing that can really exist anymore, right? No, I don't think that. I I know I know what you're referring to and that and uh I see why it would come across that I maybe even said it exactly like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But no, what I really mean is like the way it exists now, I think um will probably change a little bit okay um, i don't know though man i don't hold the crystal ball or anything that's just my take on it the reason being is because there's really like three or four kind of big asset companies i would say right in the broader space there's a lot when you look at like companies that are marketplaces and like the individual creators on those marketplaces. But in the Instagram design community, there's like a few. Are you referring of, to the other ones like creative market and things like that? No, uh, I'm referring to like creator oh, okay. more like the creators, not the, not the marketplaces. Hmm, okay. But the problem with it, I think is that there's so many more people now. It was yeah. like true grit texture supply, um, like Ezra Cohen is one of the big ones. Uh, there's a couple, but now it's like everybody who has Photoshop is seeing that there's a potential avenue to earn some income mm -hmm. and are just sort of like looking and saying, well, what's everybody else doing to do this? And 
kind of exploiting it in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but as things, you know, tend to go, when more people get into it, the overall prize pool is going to be a little bit lower for each person individually. So I don't think we're going to have these giant single, you know, powerhouse asset companies like we have now that are controlling a huge share of the revenue. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be more like each individual creator is getting a smaller piece of the pie. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a, like viable way to look at it. Hearing you elaborate on it, that does make more sense. And I could see it becoming more of a thing where since everyone's doing these things, the creators that want to survive that have these stores, they're going to have to maybe narrow it in on the things they want to provide rather than every single person providing, you know, uh, some kind of texture pack or whatever it may be. Right. And there's so many there's only so many texture packs and stuff that you can make. Yeah. It's really not, I shouldn't say this, but in a way it's probably true. It's really not necessarily all about the textures or the assets. I've said this to people before who have, who have said like, Oh, I want to start getting into doing this. Um, it's not really about what you sell. We could sell t-shirts we could be selling t-shirts or something. It doesn't really matter. It's more just about the branding mm-hmm. and how you brand whatever it is that you do sell and how you uh, brand essentially the company. So if you if a bunch of people are following you and they like you, they'll buy your book right? or your posters. And you don't have to sell assets. You could sell posters and make the same amount of money or whatever it is. What's just important is that you have an audience of people that want to support you in that way. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to see that too, though. There's a lot of different avenues that designers can make money now. I see a lot of independent designers making their own clothing lines and stuff. Yeah. That's that's like everybody has their own clothing now too, which is cool. Right. So I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it won't be that way, but... It definitely does seem like like that's sort of the trend. And it's kind of, um, you mentioned like people are going to like it if they like you. And it, it kind of brings up, you know, that like 1,000 true fans thing. Yeah. Yep. It, it's pretty much that, you know, and like for yeah, anyone that I, hasn't heard of that, I can link it in the description. Check it out. It's basically an idea that this guy wrote saying, if you can have these 1000 true fans that a true fan is someone who will buy anything and support you kind of for, I guess, regardless of what it is, as long as you're continuing with what something that like feels like it's coming from you. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. It's super important to have like an audience of people that, um, I, I guess respect you or believe in what you're doing and want to support you. Um, for me personally, like there's a lot of people who I follow on Instagram and I buy their art mm-hmm. or whatever it is that they're selling, just like random stuff that they're selling. Like I saw you do that walkthrough of like, your office art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So I bought a lot of art and like just random other things like um, clothing and stuff and just like whatever. Right. Just like whatever. And it, it's not even necessarily because I want the stuff. The stuff's cool, but it's more just like here's some money. Like, mm-hmm. I want to help. Yeah. I see 
I see you doing your like little hustle thing and I want to help with that by giving you a little bit of money. That's really the best way to help. Right. And it, and it feels genuine. Give them some money. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't feel as weird. Like it, it would feel probably maybe weirder for that person if you were just like, here's money regardless of uh, if you want the thing. They have to right. do something for it. Yeah. It's not a donation. I'm not donating you any money, but yeah. I am totally willing to buy something if you put effort into producing something worth buying. Right. You know? Speaking of, of that, like when you started seeing the orders and things and with Ink Lab and, and uh, Black Market, I guess, becoming more of when you said like you're like a real thing and you had that responsibility too from with the employee when mm -hmm. uh when did you start hiring more people and and was it because you felt like you needed to scale up like you were running out of hours in your own life or whatever it may be god it's such a hard question man scaling is so difficult everybody says that and it just is so yeah. hard um, we currently have six people full okay. time. We work in the office like a normal job, mm -hmm. health insurance. Like it's like a legit job, which is crazy for me because it's just, I don't know, man, it's like my business. And so it's weird for yeah. me to think like we're to that point now. And, right. um, but it doesn't start that way. And for, for me, the first person I hired was customer support um, slash just like general help me keep my shit together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, it was half hiring somebody because I needed help with customer support and half hiring somebody because I needed that um, responsibility. The second person we hired was a video editor. Mm. So it was a pretty big step. I was like, I'm going to hire a video editor. And then we'll make YouTube videos about like just trying to build this company. Uh, the person that we hired, it didn't end up working out. And um, for reasons I won't say, yeah. but it did not end up working out. He's no longer with the company. And uh, the next person I hired was sort of a support role also. He's, he's currently doing support. So I'll say it was support. And that's all I had until Ink Lab. Okay. Actually, that's not true. I also hired a 3D artist last year um, before Ink Lab, but she was remote and contract, mm. full-time contract. But it was like, it wasn't quite the same just because of the remoteness and the fact that it was a contract position. For a span of time, basically. Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, after InkLab came out, it was like, we had some money from InkLab and mm -hmm. it was like, what, what do I do with this money? You know, that would be the best for the company. Right. So my thought was never like, I'm going to go buy, you know, something crazy. It was just like, where can I put this money to ensure that it keeps coming in? Uh, and where I felt like that had to go was a software developer. Hmm. And so I hired a software developer because um, I I code and stuff, but um, I wanted somebody that, that could like school me 
and I wanted somebody that I could sort of like look at and respect on a on a on a level that you know I couldn't necessarily with my own and with regards to my own abilities mm-hmm. so like certain things I'd be uncertain to have, uncertain of or whatever and I wanted somebody that I felt like would know their shit because with Inklab uh this is a tough one man there's sort of this commitment long term now right with Inklab because Adobe every fucking Photoshop update it fucks something up every uh, time they're always changing some little thing that like fucks in club up and we have to go in like figure it out and adobe doesn't really give support for these things and so um i was like i need somebody that's going to be able to like be in my corner and like really help me with this so we don't get burned and then the next next person i hired was uh another graphic designer mm-hmm. because i felt like at this point i was like i need to focus more on the overall um, growth of the company and like just thinking about the company in terms of a business. Somebody put it like working on your business and not in your business. Mm. And so I was like, I need to really do that. So I hired a designer. And then the next person I hired was another developer. So now we have three developers, including myself, uh, two designers and two support people. Two designers, including myself, and then two support people. Okay. So that's yeah. like, you got a team there, and is, is there any, do you really, does it operate in any other type of hierarchy other than you're the owner of the company? No. Yeah. And I wouldn't think so at that size and, and things. It might seem no, weird. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, people kind of get in where they fit in. People know what they know. Mm-hmm. And if they need help with something, they know who would be the person, you know, to immediately get that help from. Yeah. That guide from, whether it's me or not. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's there's an unspoken. I, it's not even a hierarchy. It's just like who's who's has the most experience doing this particular thing. I'll ask that person for help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember you um, mentioning something about the hardest, like the one of the hard things about scaling or hiring people is you don't want it. You, the goal of it is to them provide value and take work, that specific work away from you. And you were saying if it doesn't work out right, it can easily become it's creating more work for you having to like monitor like their work or whatever it may be. Yeah, it totally is. It's like... um when you hire somebody the first, and this is how it's been for me, but I assume as as you scale and you have more like middle managers and stuff like that, or like art directors, yeah, it would have to be this way. But for me, it's like the first two or three months is usually like a slow training period of like getting the person familiar with how we operate, getting them trained up on like, this is how stuff needs to be done. Like, this is the quality we're looking for, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And those few months are like really like it's all of your attentions on that person, kind of. Um, so in a lot of ways, you don't get more done just because you have employees. In fact, I found that in some cases you get less done mm-hmm. because you're you're doing payroll or you're like writing emails about 
some new project and you have to type up all the details or you have to like fucking look at your like revenue and shit and like calculate like what the hell the next step is going to be based on that. So you're not necessarily doing the stuff that you would otherwise be doing. Yeah. And if you're the most efficient person to do it, then that means that you are, um, you, you're going to be sort of, uh, at the mercy of somebody else's level of productivity. And I'm not saying that anybody here at black markets productivity is like bad or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a, the fact of the matter. Yeah. Like when you hire somebody to do something that you would otherwise be doing, you can never expect that it's going to be a direct one for one um, substitute. That makes sense. This is a, a little bit off topic now, but I wanted to ask you this when you were speaking about, you know, the different things that you've done with black market. If you were, let's say I'm a, I'm just a, your average consumer, maybe a designer, younger designer wanting okay. to buy something from black market. If you were to only be able to recommend that person, one thing that you've done with the company, like one product, what would you recommend them buying? If you could only buy one product off black market, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, I guess that depends totally on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Cause everything serves a different purpose. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I guess it is, is it, it is specific that way. What is my favorite thing? Like what is my most used thing? Maybe I could answer that. Yeah. Go for that. Probably trash machine is my most used thing that I use the most. Okay. And that, I mean, what that does has become similarly to like what you said about the plastic. That's everything. Oh yeah. Yep. Totally, man. And God, when I do these things, when I put these things out, I look into it first. So I'm always like, has somebody done this before? And if they have, Mm -hmm. I don't want to touch it. Right. Because I don't want to be associated with like having stolen somebody's shit. Right. I'm not going to touch it. So I looked this thing up and there wasn't really a technique for it. And um, so I just started messing around and I figured out a little technique for it. And then now it's really funny because like people are just haters on the internet in general. Of course. People love to hate on the internet. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just like a thing. Not everybody. Like it's also very supportive. But um, so now it's funny because like we will run ads and stuff. We don't really anymore for trash machine because it's so done now. But like, or just in general, people will say trash machine and then other people will be like, or you could just fucking do this, 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 this to, to do the same thing. And they're literally listing all the steps in the action. Right. And, th- and these are like really weird steps. I don't think somebody else would have like necessarily went to because there's other ways that you could have done it that probably would have been easier to come to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they would like say the specific way that trash machine works just makes me think, People will like hate on it and be like, oh, it's so easy to do this yourself. But it's, I think it's super universally known how to do it now because people picked apart trash machine and spread that knowledge around, which is fine. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah. That, that is funny. It's like buying, you know, like some, uh, ingredient or like some, uh, product from the grocery store and then telling someone like nah you shouldn't buy that like this is how you make it and just listing the instructions on the back or something it's stupid man like people will anytime like i don't care about this stuff anymore when people are hating or whatever it just doesn't even bother me 
I really just don't care. Um, but, but one of the things that comes up a lot is like, people always want to say, Oh, I could make that myself. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Who yeah. cares? Bro? Go make it then. I don't care. Yeah. That's like okay. that. People will be like, I could fucking do this in two minutes by myself. That's fine. Go ahead, man. My, my, the, what I compare it to, and I've had to come up with a comparison for this just because it comes up so much is like, Everybody knows how to make a fucking burger. How often are you really in the kitchen cooking up a burger when you're having a burger? Usually you're probably getting a burger at like McDonald's or whatever. Right. Oh, like you could make a lot of stuff that you choose not to because it's easier to spend four, five, ten bucks and get it done by somebody who's doing it every day. Yeah. And if, if it goes wrong, you're not liable. They are. If it doesn't work, you're not the one that's liable for that in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, the so burger is a good analogy for it because I, I just don't understand that. Uh, I've I've had that too. I've had it to myself. I've, I see it on all across the entire internet and I just don't understand like the mindset of someone going in saying those things because... I just wish I could know what they want to get out of that. You know, what, what do you, what do they want you to say? Okay. Like, of course you can. Or do they want you to feel like self-conscious? Like, oh no, I didn't, I thought no one else could do this. You know, it's an interesting phenomenon that people will just like hate for the sake of hating. It seems like. Well, um, man, there's a trend to this and uh, I've been in the, what I call the asset game for long enough now. And it's weird because it's kind of a new game. It's been right. around for a while, but in, in the modern Instagram context, it's sort of a newer thing. Um, and the trend is growing towards hating more, I think. Mm. And my, my belief is that the more shit um, like knockoffs, of otherwise good creative tools that come out, the overall quality output from these tools is lower. Like as a hundred people, let's just use plastic for an example, the plastic trend that everybody hated, it wasn't because the plastic textures looked bad. It was because all of the shitty plastic textures looked bad. Mm. And there was way more shitty ones than good ones. And there were so many shitty ones spamming everybody's feed that are like these scanned ones where like the whole thing is just like ugly looking. Like there's a certain edge highlight that you have to get on them for them to look good. Certain level of transparency. And it didn't happen for most of them. And so the trend started being like, well, this plastic thing sucks ass. And like, fuck these people that are selling these plastic assets. And it's similar with any of the assets. So now it's like people are so sick of getting spammed constantly with all these shit assets yeah and shit ads for like the same assets like buy my fucking film burn overlay pack and you like see the ads in your story like eight times a day and um so i think now people just have this reaction to like this asset thing in general which is that it's like a negative yeah yeah and it dilutes the overall image of of these things when everyone's doing when the bad ones exceed the good ones 
Uh, it totally does. It's it's sort of like how on Amazon, and there's a documentary about this that I was just watching. Um, there is now on Amazon, there's this big problem of like small businesses who make really high quality products not being able to get any sales because these big um, overseas companies with factories who are able to like bulk manufacture cheap shit. Mm-hmm steal the design from these small businesses who actually put work into making a quality product that doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. They'll just steal like the basic idea of the product because that's all it takes to get the sale. The product doesn't have to be high quality to get the sale. It just has to look like the high quality product from the photo. Yeah. And so on, on Amazon now, when you go and try to buy something, you're almost always getting some cheap shit. Like all of the products are like these cheap knockoffy products. Like to the point where like buying something on Amazon is like, I got this off Amazon. Just some shit I got on Amazon. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's so much low quality stuff now that is flooded the market mm-hmm. that it makes it more difficult to find and respect the, the people who actually do care and put work into the stuff. Yeah, that's such a, it's funny to hear you to break it down that way because it's such a common thing. Like, yo, oh, what is that? It's awesome bullshit I got on Amazon, you know? Like, it's basically saying, I didn't want to get the good one, so I got the yeah. that one, like, you know? But it doesn't have to be because on Amazon, the good stuff is there too, but it's buried like 100 pages deep. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> shit show. Like, you can get anything on there. You just have to know the specific brand and type that in. And I think in a similar way, it's it's like that with this asset thing where like when you go to creative market on the homepage, you can sort of see what the current design trend is really easily. Mm-hmm. And you can see who knows how to exploit that because they will, what they do is they'll, um, they'll go and copy like one store's entire store and then release it as like a mega bundle for like five bucks. Yeah that's that's the business model is like this mega bundle for like low 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 and so the quality is going to be shit right and those shit assets flood into the ecosystem you're getting all these shitty great gradients with like noise texture on them that are flooding you get these shitty gradient map packs where the gradients don't look that good mm-hmm. and then the style as a result the style in general starts looking really tacky to people because they're so used to seeing that style with all these shit assets and then yeah. it kills it. So stickers got killed that way. Plastic got killed that way. Halftone is getting killed that way. A lot of stuff is. Yeah. Um, ink bleed. Even the ink bleed thing. If people don't know how to, if people don't use it correctly, it looks bad. And as a result, people associate the bad look with the fact that the ink bleed is there, not with the fact that somebody did it wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you, what you'll see is like these posts where it's like, oh, kill this trend, kill the plastic trend yeah. or whatever. And it's funny because it's like, um, all it is a texture. Right. People look at these things as like an overarching trend is when I feel like the problem mm-hmm. emerges. It's just a texture that achieves whatever the specific goal for the texture is. If you need something to look like it has plastic on it, you would use a plastic texture. That's like, that's all there is to it, right? So it's, yeah. not, it's not like, oh, fuck all plastic textures. It's like, fuck these bad ones that are flooding the whole market. 
Yeah. And and as a result, that has killed a, a whole style. Yeah. Which was it, a cool style. It was it was a cool style because it was like these cool, high effort digital recreations of physical things that are sort of disappearing. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it was very cool. But when people realized you could fucking profit off of the fucking junk drawer and your mom's scanner, it totally, totally killed that whole style. Plastic actually killed the black background trend completely. Yeah, I guess they they do. They kind of had a parallel path, you know, in their their life. What um, I thought of this when you were when you were talking about Adobe and I kind of just didn't want to mention it. And we went off on a, on a couple other things, but you mentioned to me, so ink lab and reactor and these plugins that you guys create, they have their, they obviously have code and are intricate and you say they get, um, manipulated or messed up every time there's an Adobe update. Right. So would you ever consider, selling them to Adobe if they offered you money for that stuff, like to natively include those functionalities? Um, I think it's a possibility. We've been in contact with Adobe a lot about various things. Mm-hmm. They have like people there who their whole job is just to sort of like find these like niche things that they could buy. Mm-hmm and then profit from and we've been contacted by those people okay sometimes it's like for like little like oh will you guys like release like free assets for like our you know how when you open photoshop there's like all these free assets you can download yeah like they'll contact you for that like can we put your assets in there for free or whatever and so um or for various other things and so I think when uh, if you start to build those relationships and 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 do that, then there's maybe potential for them to buy the company. Mm. I don't think that they would buy the tool and integrate the tool. I think they would want to buy the company. Yeah. So would you would you not do that then, or is it would it just come down to the situation? Would I sell black market to Adobe? Yeah. Mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you I'm can't. Gonna- about. <laughs> yeah, you can't give any definitive I, answers. I, obviously, I have other business interests. So if they were gonna come through and like drop a fucking bunch of money or something, like millions of dollars, then maybe. Yeah, because it would help me fund other ideas that I have that that we're gonna do either way. Yeah, but it, it's not like something that we're planning. Though we're not actively planning to like sell the company to Adobe or anything. Yeah. In the way of like other startups may operate in turn, like they're sometimes most startups these days, their goal is to get encompassed by the bigger brother of whatever that industry is. Mm-mm. That's not really our, our goal. Um, but I could see it happening in the future. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, we run a successful business in the creative niche that's heavily tied to Adobe, it would make sense for them. Yeah, they just purchased uh, the Substance Suite, and I think that was a huge move for them. Yeah, did you see that? The Substance Suite, you said. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they just purchased Substance, uh, which is crazy, crazy move. Um, probably, I I think that's their best move. Really. Possible move to date. Yeah, I was really impressed by that. 
Uh, I'll substance is that. a bigger, much bigger company than Black Market. I'll just say that. So. Yeah. It's not actively on the menu or anything, but yeah. If anybody from it, like you guys have like big pockets or something and want to buy Black Market, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'd have to think about it, man. Yeah. Obviously, if you're not going to email or something and it's like yo can we buy your company for all this money even if i'm not actively trying to sell i might think about it yeah yeah i mean you're always gonna have to gotta keep your options open and everything is ever changing what uh you spoke about you know the size of this company and the one they bought um what i guess hmm, it's maybe a little more broad for for you in terms of this question but what are some of your future goals for black market like overarching big picture stuff um i think you will see a a trend probably towards more in the way of software Mm -hmm. pretty pretty heavily that's the direction that we're gonna go um the, the the hard part is that with the asset stuff, it's really difficult to um, scale. Yeah. Really not something that you can hire somebody else to like, to do. It's tough. So you really have to be there in the trenches doing stuff. You can hire, you can outsource some, as, not outsource, but you can have employees do certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. like production as- or production uh, steps and stuff like that. But it's difficult to have somebody else do like the branding aspect of it, which is the most important part. Mm-hmm. And so there's only so much that, that one person can do. With software, on the other hand, um, you can scale at the rate in which people use the software. Yeah. So it's less about how much content you can output and more about like how many people are going to use the piece of software. Yeah. So, so go ahead. So one of our goals is, um, actually, I don't know if I could say this. <laughs> All right. You heard it. Stop secret. Do you, um, if, if you can't talk about some of that, which respectfully so, because I remember you mentioning to me, on the smaller scale about how you find it hard even being able to tease some of the things that you want to be doing because you're, you're um, not afraid, but like you're pretty much sure that someone will rip that off before you even get it to market. Is that pretty much was your thought behind not talking about some of the future plans? No, no it's not really like that. It's more that um, I don't want to talk about something that isn't for real. Mm. Um, unless the product is coming for sure, for real. And it's like, I'm going to fucking make it. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. So I'm not gonna be like, Oh yeah. I've got this great fucking big thing coming in like a year. So I, I wait until it's done and then I talk about it. Yeah. Cause that I uh, show and then I talk about it. Yeah. And that's how it's always been with black market. Pretty much at the beginning, there was some things that, I was like, oh, we're going to try to do this and this and this. And I wasn't end up able to, to do those things because they end up being too difficult. 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a big deal. Like nobody said anything about it. And we were like two, three K followers at the time. But um, I made the decision at that time. I was like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. I'm just going to kind of do my thing. And when it's done, I'll show people. But um, to, to your other point about people ripping the stuff off, if you share it. Yeah, they do. They totally do. Um, the thing is there's only so much you can do about it and it's not that big of a deal really at this point. Like we've been ripped off so fucking much, man. Yeah. And I'm friends with a lot of people that have ripped us off. Like I have no beef with a lot of these people. And at first it's different. At first, when you first get ripped off by somebody, it's like you, you kind of have to gauge their intentions. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Is this a quick money grab or is this person serious about getting into this business? Right. Are they going to do it differently? Are they going to do it better in some way? Or they like, or is it just a quick money grab? Like, oh, I'm going to rip this off and make a quick buck. Mm. That's what I, I have a little less respect for. But again, no big deal. It's really not yeah. a big deal. But um, so I don't even really trip about that anymore. If it's not, if, if somebody's going to rip it off, they're going to do it no matter what. Yeah. Whether I share it today or whether I share it in a week when it, when it's out. So I think it's actually better for us to just like share like little snippets on the story mm-hmm. and not worry so much about policing what people might do. Yeah. We used to do that pretty heavily and you just can't keep up with it, man. And that was when we were a smaller business and when I was a little more stressed out about like, paying the bills and keeping everything running than mm-hmm. I am now. So my, my attitude has changed more towards like if somebody wants to rip it off, then okay, they will. When they do. So obviously they do. And it kind of goes without saying I've seen, and you've spoken about it when that first happened, when you were maybe, you know, go back to younger Keezy, Black Market's a smaller operation. When that first started happening, obviously it probably was concerning and maybe you were a little upset by it, but was any part of it, did any part of it make you feel good in the sense of like, well, this must be a good idea then if people are copying it? Um, I've, I've actually thought about this before on my own about like, cause, cause you know how people say there's like that saying imitation is the best form of flattery or whatever. Yeah. And there's another one where it's like, no, it's theft. And <laughs> I don't really see it as either necessarily. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily see it as either. And I think, um, I think it depends on how you execute in yeah. a little bit. If you pull it off better, if you did it better, then that's good. Right. If you take something and you do it better, then that's good. That's how I see it. Uh, and I think it's okay a little bit in that sense, but a lot of the time it's somebody taking it and doing it worse just to make quick money. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, do you, but like, I just don't want to, do that you know what i mean do you don't either 
I don't want to like, do it, and it sucks you're seeing on your podcast, doing your thing like your way, like yeah. interviewing small designers and stuff like that, and not trying to be like fucking every other thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people have the wrong impression about how to go about this stuff, and it's like, um, let's just let's just rip it off and make a quick buck. And so to answer the initial question, which was, do you? Is it like? It wasn't, is it flattering? It was more like, does that mean that you have a good idea if somebody's ripping it off? No, definitely not. And what's really <laughs> funny is, when I say yeah. I thought about this before, what's really funny is our competitors don't know what sells well. Yeah, that's a good point. They just don't know what we sell the most of. Mm-hmm. And um, so people always are like ripping off products that we've sold like $100 of. And it's funny. People like try to rip something off and they'll like copy it like one for one. And um, I'm like, why are you copying that? Yeah. Like, that was garbage. Like we didn't, we didn't even sell that. Like they don't know what to copy. It's funny because yeah. we put out, we put out a lot of stuff. Like a lot of the stuff we put out, we don't, we haven't even posted. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff on the store that's just like random shit that we upload and it's like not worth posting about. And um, yeah. So I, I, I think in a way, a lot of people are like trying to copy just like whatever and having to make their own assumptions about what's going to, what's going to sell well for them or whatever. And, and so in that way, I, I don't, at this point, take it as an indication of this is a good product just because people are ripping it off. Because yeah. a lot of people are ripping off garbage that doesn't really make any money. On the contrary, then. I think this will be one of the main kind of things, last things I want to go off on is that on the contrary of that, what do you think are are the most important factors in the success of black market? And what have you identified what has worked the best and also in your mind, like what what do you put the most value on when it comes to black market equaling success? Success is uh, in terms of like, I guess how you can you can give that its own definition, I guess. Okay, let's just be let's just keep it easy and and use define success as essentially like um, enough revenue to keep the business going and growing, right? That's fair. Financial success. Let's just use that like that because that's objective. Um, the most important things. So, so what do you want to know? Like the most important products or just in general? Hmm. Let's say, I guess a little bit more general, but in terms of when you look at the company and you're, and you're determining how it's doing, how do you, how do you monitor if the company is being successful at the moment or not? And what are your, what do you do to plan for that continued success? financial success okay so there's a lot of things um that that we can use to gauge and it's ongoing it's like an ongoing learning thing Mm -hmm. i've had a lot of revelations really in the last like three four months like there was a year or so that was really really slow Mm -hmm. where we kind of like got through the year but like no huge moves were made really and um so, so as we've had some of those periods and then we've had some successful periods and 
and we've had enough data now to really understand um, when we're doing good and when we're not. I think it, when we're getting a lot of messages, a lot of DMs, a lot of message requests, that's one indicator that we're indication that we're doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of customer support emails in a way, just funny. Yeah. But like it, you have a lot of people emailing you asking for help with products and stuff. It means that a lot of people are using the stuff. Um, the biggest one obviously is just like sales. Right. Is selling and what is the trend? Sometimes you can coast for a month or two off of like something old mm. that was like hot a month or two ago. Yeah. And you can coast. And so you're not sure for the next month or so, like, am I coasting right now or are we, are, are we on the upswing? And now we can kind of tell more because we've had enough months to see how that looks. Right. The most, um, and then also uh, growing of the following on Instagram. Ah, that's a good point. Is the IG growing? The first year we got like 50K followers or something insane. Uh, maybe not that much. It was like 40 or 50K in the first year. And yeah. then now, now we're only at like 72 so the first year we we did so much and then it's been slower since the last year was really slow some months we got like 400 followers in a whole month and you'd think after you have such a big following it snowballs and stuff um but i think instagram's algorithm just like doesn't work that way so some yeah. sometimes it's just sometimes it's just slow and instagram uh Unfortunately, we're sort of at their mercy in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the big indicator is really sales and, and growth on Instagram. And then the other things like DMs and emails and stuff are just sort of like, that's on like a daily basis. Right. So we get like 20 emails. We're like, okay, today's a good day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or if, yeah. if like a bunch of people are DMing, asking about a product that we just posted, it means that this is going to be a good product. But in a broader sense, like in terms of... um on a monthly basis. It's just sales and how much did we grow on IG this month? Yeah. Cool. Lately it's been picking back up again. Um, and you asked how we, we keep it going lately. It's been picking up and I find that it's the daily posting. Mm. It does daily work. Posting. Yeah. It's been important. And, and on a day to day, you don't get as many likes in the posts. Um, but who cares? You just have to post to keep people reminded that you exist. Yeah, definitely. Or like thinking about your page. Nobody's thinking about your page ever um, unless you put it in their face. Right. And so you have to kind of get over the idea of like, oh, I'm spamming people. People are just scrolling. They don't care what you post. Like they're looking at like 100 things. You know what I mean? Your <laughs> yeah. one post isn't like spamming to them. So you have to do it every day. And since we've been posting every day, um it's been really helpful we've gained like 2k followers now in the last couple of weeks which has been nice with all the gradient map stuff too yeah so the gradient maps were we did a daily post for like nine days yeah. and what you'll see is like the first time you post it you get a ton of likes and then every day after that you get progressively less and less as people get bored of it yeah and then you have to mix it up it looks cool though i like seeing um like the tiling and stuff. It's yeah. just like nice to look at. You get every you get those every once in a while in your in your entire D of your grid lifespan or whatever. 
Yeah. 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 We put them all up on there because I was like, these would look really good together. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I do really appreciate you kind of giving me some insight into a lot of that stuff. And is there anything that you wanted to mention in terms of black market plug anything, any, any things you want people to know? Um, nah. Fair enough. Come check us out, man. Come check us out. Come look at our stuff. And like, if you like it, then yeah, get on board. Follow you us like it. You like it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you again. The best place for you to like see any plugs of anything is just like on our story or on our things. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't want to plug anything right here right now because basically for the reasons that I already mentioned earlier. Totally. There's things I want to talk about that I'm having to like not. Mm-hmm. I understand. No. Well, thank you again, Keezy. Appreciate you sitting down, taking the time to talk with me and everyone you don't know about black market already definitely go check it out immensely helpful resource for pretty much any designer can add to their toolkit and thank you again i really appreciate being on here thank you peace out everybody